much for tuning in and welcome everyone hope you're well i'm your host ben lively and you're listening to shaken awake episode number three i just wanted to thank you thank you thank you for tuning in with me from wherever in the world you might be listening from right now as always i promise you another great show but more than anything my hope for you today and always is that you have an actual encounter with the Lord wherever you're at. Whether you're taking a walk, driving your car, sitting at home, working out, or maybe just taking a break from work. He's right there with you. And so let's get ready to invite him in with us and allow him to speak through me and into your hearts and minds. So let's get in the heart of today's topic, shall we? But before we do, I do want to give a shout out and a really big and heartfelt thank you to all my new listeners and those that provided some really encouraging and useful feedback and reviews online and via phone. I'd love to hear your feedback and suggestions and welcome all to connect with me. I'll let you know how at the end of today's show, but only, and I mean only if you find real value in today's episode, okay? So here at Shaken Awake, we like to keep the content and your time spent on raw and straight to the point topics, the kind that really matter. So today we're going to discuss an age-old mystery. Why are we here? What's our purpose? Why we were born on purpose for a purpose. Great news. Today you're going to find out what God and his word says about it and some steps you can take and walk away with so that you're more enlightened and equipped in this specific area than before you turned uh, tuned in today. Um, perhaps it'll hit home with some of you as it did me. When I was shaken awake and God revealed to me that I had not been living his purpose, nor did I even know what it was. He, along with the Holy Spirit, imparted in me uh, some wisdom and scripture to help me realize my purpose. Up until that point, I honestly couldn't have told you. I've always wondered, as I'm sure many of you have, what is the meaning and purpose of my life? Not to be rude here, but I, I don't, I didn't care about what everyone else's purpose was. Why? Because it seemed like they were already serving theirs to some degree. What did I know? Or even care for that matter? But as for my life, I didn't know. There was no one to ask. Go ahead. Try asking 30 people while we're here on earth and what's our purpose. And they'll all give you different variations because typically, They're in the same exact boat as you are. And the best they'll give you is their best guess. Mostly because many don't consciously even take the time to think about it or concern themselves with it. Maybe it's to live your life to its its fullest. Go for your dreams. Live a happy life. Live your best life. (laughs) That one really makes me twitch, by the way. Health and happiness, others might say. Having as much fun before your time ends, I've heard many say. You open up books or articles, journals, periodicals on the meaning of life and your purpose in life, and it typically boils down to the opinion of the author and, of course, the genre of the book. So uh, business literature will tell you to be that 1% that 
that go for their dreams and build it, allowing the other 99% to work for you and your dreams. That was me a few years ago, or the or the start of it anyway. Health and wellness literature will tell you to eat wholesome, treat your body as a temple, and eat to live, not live to eat, and get in touch with your inner self. The literature on the arts will tell you to go make your magic and your dreams and your talents a reality and make a difference in the world. And you have astrology and Scientology and physics and psychology and new age literature and the list goes on for a hundred miles. So who's right? Who's wrong? Well, let's find out. Around the same time, just a short period after my life and eternity altering experience in April of 2019 that I uh, I've spoke of in episode one, my pastor asked us at the beginning of our church service about how we were living our lives. He said there was only three ways to live your life. One, you can waste it. Two, you can spend it. Three, you can invest it. Of course, he went into all three and to find all three in that church service was yet another divine intervention from the Lord to me, and I'm sure many that were there that day, because it gave me the spiritual push to seek out the truth, for I knew I had already wasted just about 35 years of my life at that point in time. To summarize, beaten and abused my entire childhood, drugs and alcohol my entire teen life, joining the military for escape and then doing more of the same, partying, boozing it up, and living my best life for the next six years, getting out of the army and immediately setting up shop here in Florida to simply continue the daily ritual of alcohol, clubbing, bar hopping, fun, getting married, not going to church, having two kids and still abusing alcohol, not going to church, hating life and people and rotting my days away. As I started trying to accumulate money and opportunity and more money and more opportunity for the next few years, including up through 2019, I was just spending my life. But I had never invested even one day of it. I wondered how long would I have continued to live my life and not realize that what we do here is an investment in our real future, eternity. You know, the one that never ends and lasts forever. Literally, life is the dressing room for eternity. Eternity somewhere, at least one of two places. So I started thinking, well, then what have I been doing that had at least some merit here on earth anyway? I was working hard, making decent money, living a considerably good standard of life, had everything. Would be retired in another 20 or so years and had so much more to offer and receive. But the realization hint that these past 41 years had flown by. And with each passing year seemingly getting faster, the next 41, if I even have that amount of time left, will exponentially pass even faster. So what was the true point of what I've been wasting or spending since I was born? In the end and for eternity, what was my investment? What was my contribution to life that Christ Jesus had given to me. I hadn't a clue. It scared me to death and it it shook me to my core. I mean, it really hit me hard because for some reason, as the old saying goes, everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. And I thought to myself, nothing I'm doing 
serves the kingdom any purpose whatsoever. And the only thing it seemed to have served, whether good or bad or very bad, was me. Me, me, me. I was the most selfish, disrespectful, sinful, gluttonous, alcoholic, narcissistic, evil, vile man I'd ever known. I recalled back to my mother-in-law laying in that hospice bed for her last week on earth. One year prior, healthy as a teenager and happy as one too. She did not make any money. Had no real possessions, didn't have a fancy career. Worked from 3 or 4 a.m., pulling crazy shifts most her entire life with decades of not even taking off even one day, even if she was sick, just to provide for her family. And yet, everyone saying their thank yous and goodbyes were remembering her for changing their lives and making them better people and Christians. I can't remember how many were telling their stories in that hospice room about when they went to her with their problems, she'd go right to the word of God and talk to them about Jesus. Everything was about Jesus and they loved her for it. There's no doubt why I was witnessing all those loving memories. It was God's way and his Holy Spirit's way of convicting me and preparing me for my next steps and to show me what the life of a saint looked like for I was the polar opposite. He showed me in one week's time what the true meaning of life is all about, why he has us here on earth, and why we were all born on purpose for a purpose. I just didn't know mine yet. That's when I knew he was pushing me to seek him even more, surrender to him my will for life's purpose and how to live it and totally be obedient to him in learning what his purpose was for my life and then making that my purpose. My only purpose, through scripture and prayer and total submission, he revealed that my purpose, your purpose for living, is his purpose fulfilled through you and how you live your life for him. Before we dive into this, I I just need to make at least uh, one caveat. And in one sense, you are always living in God's purpose. God is God and he works all things, including your life, according to his purposes, Nothing can happen without God ordaining it. In Psalms chapter 57, verse 2 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. This is key in understanding God's purpose for your life. God's numbered your days and will fulfill every purpose he has for you. However, our choices and our actions also really matter. In some ways, this is a mystery we can't fully understand, but that doesn't mean it's not true. We can choose to do things that will bring us more joy and give us more of a sense of purpose. That's where we're headed here. But first, here are some signs that you don't have much purpose in your life that may resonate with some of you, as it certainly did me. One would be you're blatantly living in sin. Let's start with the obvious here. If you're blatantly disobeying the Bible... You're not living in God's purpose, and you will certainly experience a sense of aimlessness in your life. This one's pretty straightforward, so we don't need to spend too much time here. Another one is you lack joy and excitement. If you wake up every day filled with apathy or dread or total boredom, you're probably not doing what you were meant to do. God has created you uniquely, has really good things planned for you, and one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, 
It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Sure, there'll be difficult things you encounter that require patience and and persistence, but overall, you should have a sense of joy and excitement that fills your days, your work, and your relationships. In his book, Desiring God, John Piper says, the pursuit of joy in God is not optional. It's not a quote-unquote extra that a person might grow into after he or she becomes into faith. The next would be you don't feel much fulfillment in your life. If you go about your days experiencing little fulfillment, you may be wandering from your God-given purpose. Fulfillment comes from doing rewarding meaningful, purposeful things, from a job that taps into your skills and passions, from a relationship that involves giving and receiving, from hobbies that are invigorating instead of being mind-numbing. Yes, you'll have certain things that are boring and unfulfilling, but if your entire life is gray, you probably need a change. The next would be you work so you don't have to work. You know the feeling of pointless work. You go to the office, you clock in, do your job, then go home and collapse in front of Netflix. You work for the weekends and for retirement. All true joy you experience comes from things outside of work, from hobbies or friends or side jobs. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 15 says, And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God's given him under the sun. Would you say that this kind of joy characterizes your life and work? If not, you may need to rethink where you're headed. The next would be you feel stuck. If you desperately want a change but also feel totally stuck in your life, that's almost certainly a sign that you're not walking according to God's purpose. Those who are stuck want to go in a particular direction but don't know how to get there. So they spin their wheels, feeling endlessly frustrated, but unsure of how to make the frustration end. Do you feel trapped? You know the definitions of insanity. If I asked you all, perhaps, and I guess, maybe a few would have a different answer, but I guarantee that 95% or more of you would say that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. That is the definition of, of insanity, And yet, how many of us do just that? Just about every day of our adulthood. Another would be you have little or no to no direction. If you don't know God's purpose for your life, you constantly feel a sense of aimlessness. You feel as though you're wandering from thing to thing without any forward progress. Nothing really excites you and you don't have any specific goals you're working toward. Unlike the Israelites who wandered for 40 years, yet they still had a goal. They had the promised land. You don't even have a goal in front of you. So enough with the dread, the doom and gloom, okay? Here are at least six ways uh, to gain or regain your purpose. In his uh, classic book, The Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien, wrote a poem that included the line, Not all who wander are lost. The same applies to you. Even though you feel like you're wandering without any true purpose, that doesn't mean you're lost. You can regain your sense of purpose and discover what God has for your life. Here's several ways to discover God's purpose for your life. Go to God in prayer. 
again, let's start with the obvious. If you feel purposelessness, ask God to give you wisdom and direction. James chapter 1, verse 5 states, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's incredibly good news. God wants to give you a purpose. He wants to bestow divine wisdom on you. It's not like God is holding out on you to make you miserable. He desires you to have a joyful, ambitious, purposeful life. Ask God for purpose and expect him to give it to you. Another would be dig into God's word. The primary way God speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. This means that one of the first things you should do in your search for God's purpose is to start digging into scripture. Now, you won't find any verses that'll tell you to become a dance instructor or an executive, but you will begin to understand the heart of God. Psalms chapter 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word brings light to the path that otherwise seemed dark. In the Bible, you learn how to live wisely in God's word, which is the first step toward finding your purpose. And I've always heard people talk about how God spoke to them through the Bible. And I just thought, you know, it was some kind of metaphor. No, he really speaks to me. I took a picture of it and still have it on my cell phone today. I may just upload it with today's show notes or place it on the website, www.shaken-awake.com. The verse, it literally lit up on the page of my Bible at just the right time. It says, and I quote from my English Standard Version in Jeremiah chapter 46, verse 17. They were talking about Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And it said, the noisy one who lets the hour go by. That part of the sentence literally lit up on the page and I froze. I just stared in disbelief. So much, I I grabbed my cell phone nearby and took the picture because of how vivid the light was on that exact part of the sentence. It was for me. I was talking about what I wanted to do for his kingdom in my life, but that's all I was doing. Talking. No action. Actions without words are meaningless and a waste of time. And in my case, life. Another would be determine your gifts and your strengths. God's given you very specific gifts and strengths. Maybe you're a math whiz or a wise counselor. Maybe you have a mind for electronics or business. Maybe you're great at organizing people and getting things done. God's purpose for you probably involves the things you're already good at. Determine your passions. What's the one thing you're particularly passionate about? Really, this can be anything. Business, art, economics, alleviating poverty, whatever. If money wasn't an issue, what would you love to do? Determining your passions often helps you figure out what God has called you to do. It's often said that God works at the intersection of our gifts and our passions. So where do your gifts meet your passions? That may be God's purpose for you in your life. Bring others into your life. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14 says, Where there's no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. In other words, one of the main ways God will help you find your purpose is through others. And in the end, trust God. Trying to discover your life purpose can be a stressful, overwhelming thing. It can seem like such a big, confusing, frustrating subject. You want to move forward, but you're not sure how to. 
you want to find your purpose, but you feel like you're aimlessly wandering. But you can trust God to lead you where he wants you to go. As Psalms chapter 23, verse 2 to 3 says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So you may feel confused, but God doesn't. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It's an easy Bible verse to skim over, but if you slow down and think about what Paul the Apostle is saying, I believe you'll begin to step into the life God has destined you to live, one of complete joy, freedom, and victory. Too many people feel worthless and unqualified to be called by God, but the Apostle Paul says something different. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says we can prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That means that regardless of your past, God has a will for your life. That's good news. It's never too late to start the change. But how? I'm glad you asked. Paul says that transformation comes by the renewing of your mind. That that seems pretty simple, right? Well, that depends on what foundation you're basing the renewal of your mind. So from the amplified version of the Bible in 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2, may grace, God's favor, and peace, which is perfect well-being and all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity and freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So according to Peter, you will experience more grace and peace, or you could say everything Jesus accomplished through his death, his burial, and resurrection, through having a full, precise, and correct knowledge of who God is. Renewing your mind means to see God's goodness in a way you've never known it before. When Paul praise for the Ephesians church, he doesn't say anything about their performance and striving to become better people in order to fulfill their God-given purpose. He prays for them to know the length, depth, and height of the love of God. Why? Because a greater understanding of who God is, how he feels about you, and what he's accomplished on your behalf will launch you into the good, acceptable, and perfect will that he has for you. You are called to something greater than yourself and God has already placed the power to do it on the inside of you. As you renew your mind to that, you'll effortlessly step into a life that's greater than you've ever dreamed of. Does that mean you'll never have bad things happen to you? Of course not. Jesus never promised a life free of difficulties. In fact, in John's gospel, Jesus said you will have trials and tribulations in this life, but, and that's a big but, you can still be cheerful in the midst of it all because what he's done through his resurrection. John chapter 16, verse 33 in the Message Bible, I I feel sums it up best and it's most relevant in our time. And it says, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I've conquered the world. My goal today with God speaking on my behalf and the Holy Spirit stirring you and providing understanding is to help everyone come to the realization that you were made on purpose for a purpose. Nothing you've done can disqualify you from the life God has predestined for you. Stop putting your trust 
in what you have already done and put it back on what he has done. Your performance doesn't hold more power than the cross. Renew your mind to the goodness of God and allow him to take you on a journey that's greater than you could ever imagine. Here's a few verses I pulled to back up what we're really talking about here today. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And lastly, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's an interesting fact. Uh, astronomers are now telling us that the universe holds as many as 200 billion, that's a B, 200 billion galaxies beyond anything we can comprehend. Yet God says that when he made man, that mankind was his crowning achievement. He made this universe, the animals, as far as we can see and beyond and what we can imagine. Yet man is the only one that was created and made in his image. Now, what does that mean? What doesn't mean we look like him. God is spirit. When we are made in the image of God, it means that God gives us the ability to be able to communicate with him. That privilege is not given to the stars as astrology teaches. That privilege was not given to the earth as new age philosophy teaches. That privilege is only given to man. You and I have the ability to communicate with the God of this universe because we were made in his image. You were made in God's image on purpose. There are no accidents with God. The psalmist wrote these words, you created my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. God spoke to Jeremiah and said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God made us in his image and he made us on purpose. God made us in his image, on purpose, for a purpose. All of us have experienced a time in our lives when we have asked the hard question, Lord, why am I here? What is it you want me to do? What is my purpose? Lord, what is it that you've called me to do? So look at these principles. Principle one, God calls every believer to full-time service. Serving God is not a part-time occupation. It's a 24-7, 365 days a year. Paul said, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. So you may find yourself in a job that's ordinary, mundane, perhaps even one you don't especially enjoy. But if you are where you believe God wants you to be, then work at it as though you're working for the Lord himself. How many of you have ever held a job you didn't like? You just didn't care for it. I believe that would be most likely 100% of you listening. I have several times, in fact, but I never quit. Second principle is God will give you the gifts that are necessary to do the work he calls you to do. This applies to our work both inside and outside the church. And this is a huge principle that we really need to pay attention to because many of us have said at one time or another, I believe God wants me to do this or that. Teach a class, share on my faith, give financially, start a podcast. But we say, Lord, I can't. I can't teach a class because I don't have the confidence. I can't share my faith because I don't know what to say. I can't give financially because, well, I'm broke or I'm just getting by. 
Or Lord, I'm an introvert and a broken person, but new in you. I can't do any on-air type of show. And so when we say these things, we're limiting God in every way because we're basically saying, Lord, you can't. Or Lord, you won't. Give me confidence, words, money, authority, or open doors for me. Hey guys, if the shoe fits, kick it off. Well, let me show you a better way. Here's that powerful word. One of the most powerful words in the English language. Can't. We've used that word since we were children. And and when we do, it really means one of several things. I can't. My parents won't let me. I answer to them and they say no. End of story. I can't. I don't have the time. A friend asks you to do one thing, you're already committed to doing another thing, right? I can't. I don't have the resources. A friend asks you to go to the movies or out to eat. I can't. I don't have the money. And so we are limited. But look at it this way. Let's say you feel a strong calling that God wants you to do a particular thing and you give your typical response. This one. I can't. We don't have the confidence of the words of the or the money to do it, but there's also another reason, perhaps even a deeper one. Here it is. I don't want to. It's too much work. It's too hard. I'm comfortable with things as they are. I don't want to change. And when you do that, when you respond in that fashion, you will miss God's purpose for your life. You see, in all the descriptive terms the Bible gives regarding your purpose in life, one thing we are never told is that it will be easy. So stop trying to look for easy. Contrary to popular belief, Staples doesn't sell a working easy button. I know, I went to go buy one once. <laughs> Paul, Paul closes his letter to the church in Philippi by reminding us of the kind of things we should think about. Things that are true, right noble, pure, excellent, the things that are best in life. He then focuses on the circumstances of life. When we are in need or uh, when we are in need or when we have plenty, when we were hungry or when we're full, no matter what, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Time to take the T out of the equation, guys. Change it from can't to can. A huge difference. To do this, we have to take the one thing that's holding us back, that fear, that concern, the unknown, and turn it over to Christ, that cross we bear. The Bible speaks on a number of occasions of men and women who faced great difficulty in determining God's will. Some fell back, and they missed God's purpose completely. Some moved forward and lived the life that was filled with contentment and purpose. We can never accomplish anything that is of lasting value Until we say, Lord, I'm willing. God cares more than anything if we're simply willing to answer with one word. Yes. Yes, Lord, I'm willing. So in closing, here are a few verses that summarize what's what's been said today and to put it into perspective from a, a biblical standpoint. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of good, of God. Matthew chapter 6 verse 32, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 to 20, I'll summarize. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of, of a man are, are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who's arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, they will not go unpunished. So before we end today's show, I just wanted to thank you all again for tuning in. I hope you were touched by God through today's message and scripture. If you could do me a huge favor, I'll never ask for donations or gifts or anything. But the best way to say thank you only if you got any value out of today's show, would you go right now to whichever podcast app you're listening to? Uh, today and just give me a rating if you want to go the extra mile for christ not me put in a quick review it takes 20 seconds here's what it'll do it'll catch the attentions of others just like yourself who, who may be searching for a good christian podcast to listen to and many of them like myself and, and many of you we rely on the not only the number of reviews but the reviews themselves to just help determine whether it's not uh, it's worth it to take a listen i'd love that help and support from you guys which would allow the Lord and the Holy Spirit to reach even more lives through this broadcast. So next week, tune in next Sunday evening or whenever you're able to as we dive into one of my favorite and perhaps controversial personal topics. And that is today, everyone is exactly where they want to be in life. Yes, and that means you. You do not want to miss this next week's show. It's going to be it's going to get real around here uh, big time. So until next week, take great care of yourself and each other, and God bless you all. 